polling. It's been um, tumultuous. On trust. How about that? And hit and run. The book was right. I do feel vindicated. Kia ora and welcome to One News Inside Parliament, a weekly catch-up where we discuss all of the political stories we've been covering this week at Parliament for One News. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Benedict Collins. And as usual, we'll kick off the podcast with a few pits and peaks, a few highs and lows from this week. Benedict, what were some of yours? Well, I thought um, Sarah Dowie's valedictory speech um, last week was a... um, bit of a showstopper. Um, incredible for a few different reasons, I thought. One, um, you know, she really sort of spoke with an open heart about her time here in Parliament. Um, she gave the media uh, quite a big serve that was prominent. But I thought another th- really interesting thing that she talked about was a real low light for her as an MP um, was having to vote against the paid parental leave bill by um, Sue Maroney um, under sort of these bogus pretenses that they couldn't afford it, only um, to turn around a, a week or, uh, you know, a, a little bit down the track and have to, you know, and bring it in anyway. So that was interesting. I think sort of she was saying, you know, shows how petty Parliament can be and, you know, how you just vote vote things down because you're nat to Labour, um, regardless of the merit of the proposition. Um, and, yeah, and her calling out of the media as well, um, you know, w- was pretty extraordinary. It was that was brutal stuff. Mm. It was it was must watch television, and if you haven't seen it yet, I would encourage um, all of the listeners to go and check it out. It was absolutely something. Yeah, fiery. Eh? It was mm. fiery, um, and you know, just you would expect it actually um, from her re- uh, right because you know on the on the um, valedictory a, a chance to to settle the scores um, in some cases for a lot of MPs on their way out and um, some of them will leave you know burning the house down and others will um, burn the bridge only and um, yeah there was a, certainly a fair bit of that in the in the speech it was it was awesome I actually um, it was really powerful stuff and uh, I think there'll be a lot of um, reflections um, on that um, for everyone involved. Um, I think that it was also nice to see Paula Bennett um, deliver her valedictory speech, been in Parliament a very long time and such a um, huge personality here um, in New Zealand politics Um, so it's really cool to see her and hear her talk of her whanau as well and um, yeah some, some powerhouses, even Amy Adams I mean, my mum texted me and she was like, wow, Amy Adams almost, you know, was brought to tears by her speech as well. So um, some really strong stuff there. And um, we've got some of the Labour MPs up tomorrow delivering a few of their valedictories. Claire Curran, I wonder if she'll um, deliver much of the same sort of uh, uh, statements to towards the media. Um, she obviously, you know, didn't feel yeah, as though she got a fair um, run during her yeah, um, she's fall been, from um, grace there. foreshadowing that a bit, I think. Yes. Hey, you know, last week, um, I, we Mikey took us on a deep dive into Hansard and out, out-geeked us seriously, <laughs> revealing that a Labour MP had been told off for eating jet planes. Um, <laughs> so I'm here to one-up you this week. And that is, in Amy Adams' valedictory speech, she um, butchered a Hunter S. Thompson quote um, in which she said that hundreds... S. Thompson had once said about politics that it's a cruel and shallow money trench, a long plastic hallway where thieves and pimps run free and good men die like dogs. And there's also a negative side. Problem is, that original quote wasn't actually about politics. It's often attributed to the music industry, but it's actually about TV. And yeah, the TV business um, is uglier than most. It's normally perceived as a some kind of cruel and shallow money trench through the heart of the journalism industry, a long plastic hallway where thieves and pimps run free and good men die like dogs for no good reason. <laughs> <clears throat> there you go. Could be on the money there, but I think could be on the money for both 
television and parliament. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's um, uh, multi-use. <laughs> and now on to the pits uh, of the week. I have a pit, um, and that was uh, a story that I covered uh, last week um, with the National Party, with Nick Smith on um, the Māori electoral and general role options uh, for Māori voters. Um, I actually heard this story on Radio New Zealand the week before. I was sitting on the bus, I think it was, in the morning, just listening to RNZ and a report from Mediana Johnson, um, one of the um, badass Māori reporters um, for RNZ, uh, came on and basically said that um, the Electoral Commission back in 2017 after the election um, had, um, you know, usually they review the elections and they come up with some recommendations and one of the recommendations was that they realised that Māori voters... um, often wanted to switch roles between the general role and the Māori role um, more than was allowed under the current rules, which is every five years um, in line with the census. And so the Electoral Commission thought it was a good idea um, for Māori voters to be able to switch um, whenever they like or more Mm. frequently. And so it went to the Justice Select Committee and the um, government MPs um, thought, yep, great idea, let's back it. And the national MPs blocked it there. Um, And and I was listening to um, Mediana's um, report and I heard Nick Smith and basically their reasoning for blocking it was that they didn't, they thought that it would allow manipulation um, by parties um, in terms of um, influencing some electoral outcomes. So say there was a by-election or say, um, you know, it was a real tight race in a certain electorate, they might influence um, yeah. their members to switch roles so that they could try and get a better outcome. And I just thought, just listening to it on the radio, and I just thought, really? Is that the best reason to block individual voter rights because a political party um, is worried about um, potential manipulation by another political party, that you would impinge individual people's rights based on that? I just thought it was really weak. Um, And so I thought... I'd mention it to the team the next week because we were in recess that week so hardly any MPs around and I think it was a Thursday or a Friday so by the time the following week rolled around and it was Tuesday and it was caucus and that's usually when we have the best chance to ask MPs pretty much anything because they're kind of walking past I had a chat to the team and they were like oh yeah it's a good good issue let's let's see how it goes went along to the Labour um, caucus because um, they're always up first before the Nats and asked Penny Henare a couple of the Māori MPs Willie Jackson what do you think and they were just like oh you know it's desperate um it's um uh Willie Jackson was saying that you know Maori voters are tired of being treated as though they're dumb and I guess in that sense you could argue that is is what it certainly looks like because um for, for a party to claim look um voters can be easily manipulated into switching roles that would uh, uh, imply that the voter actually would do what their master told them to do and switch um, Mm. roles and so on and so forth. And then on that note, um, it was quite funny because when I was then going to interview Nick Smith, I said, well, isn't that what you guys are doing in Epsom? You manipulate your voters, you tell your voters to back um, David Seymour in Epsom. Yeah. or act and that's the deal that they have there and he was like oh no 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 he referred you know. that one pretty quickly to his leader referred I think. it quickly to his leader so look interesting issue to climb in on um and um yeah so uh that was that was some fun had had a bit of fun with that one yeah we um <laughs> yeah, we uh, i guess another peak uh, or pit um depending on 
where I sit on it, which I'm not sure, was um, did, a, did a fun track last week, having a look at um, uh, Hamish Walker and Ian Lees Galloway, who seem to have been put into the witness protection programme um, by their respective political parties, and no one can find them. Um, and they're <laughs> continuing to claim tens upon tens of thousands of dollars um, for the next five months, basically, despite neither of them turning up at Parliament. Um, and Judith Collins and Jacinda Ardern both assure us that they're working hard in their electorates, uh, unavailable for media interviews, offices um, still shut, um, which is hey, fair enough if politicians want to do that. But then you look at a beneficiary, if they miss a work meeting or a, an appointment, they can get their benefit cut by 100% or if they've got kids by 50%, you know, clearly not playing by the same rules here. Um, yeah, but should we have a have a chat about our poll? Because that was a pretty major, um, well, there are a couple of polls actually last week. Um, big, big news, um, of course, with with Nationals' troubles that they've been through with people leaving left, right and centre. Um, you know, it was obviously a bit of a gauge of where they're at at the moment, a bit of a snapshot. So we had our, um, our poll numbers came out on Thursday night and we had... Labour on 53, National on 32, the Green Party on 5, Act at 4.8, which we rounded up to 5, and New Zealand First still struggling away on 2, and the New Conservatives and Māori Party sitting at about 1. What did you make of it all? Um, it was interesting stuff because we'd obviously had the News Hub Read Research poll out the Sunday mm prior to our poll um, and that showed a huge dip for for the Nats so it was um, a good chance to gauge um, where things were at and you obviously had um, the National Party cheekily um, uh, name um, calling it rogue poll mm, rogue mm. Um, and so, and so, this was an opportunity to see actually where the numbers were falling, um, especially for us just looking back on on our our poll more recently. Um, and I thought in our poll, looking at our poll, the numbers fell how I would expect them to fall. Um, a six point drop for the National Party. Actually, I think they were lucky to have. Um, just a six-point drop. I I would have been surprised if it would have been anything more catastrophic than that, personally, because I think that the national voter base is so strong, and we've seen that with them um, consistently um, actually leading up to COVID. COVID is when they took their first huge dive, but until then, they were up in the 40s, 45. So to expect that they would drop double digits, I wouldn't have thought that that was something that that I would expect to see. So a six-point drop for me is about right considering all of the drama that we have seen yeah, within the it, National Party. Yeah, and I, I just, yeah, I, I think National, I mean, it, it's bad news for them. They're on 32. They're looking like take your hiding at the election. But I think they'll think that that's okay. I think they could have, they would have thought, hey, we could take a real hiding here. Um, and I don't think News Hub had the read research poll. I don't think they'd done it when Todd Muller was um, had his fifty days in power. I think they no. Missed... We were the only ones who polled yeah. during that time. So they, so they had National on twenty five. So I mean, things could have been a lot worse uh, for National. I think they'll be a little bit relieved that they're in the thirties, because uh, yeah, when you've seen the kind of chaos that they've been through over the last few weeks, you know, I'm su- I'm surprised more voters didn't. Um, uh, you know, ditch them. Yeah, I think those. I think that's a solid result for the National Party. If I was the Na- if I was Judith Collins, I would have been happy with that result, and I think she was. And I think couple that, um, given given the huge um, turmoil within the party, you know, with the changing leaderships and and scandals with Andrew Falloon and so on and Hamish Walker, um, 30, 35 is a solid number. 
couple that with Judith Collins' own ratings in terms of her leadership, um, uh, which is very which came out very strong for her, much stronger than Todd Muller and yeah. Simon Bridges. I think that puts her on a strong footing to really sort of um, close the gap further and give um, Labour a good run, give Jacinda a good run in the lead up to the election. Whereas prior to her, ooh, could have been dicey. Yeah, but it is interesting watching the, the Prime Minister at the moment, watching Labour, they really are just sticking to the COVID-19 response, really focusing in on, you know, how much they have to, you know, how much attention they're having to spend on, on keeping the coronavirus out of New Zealand or keeping it, you know, at the border in managed isolation. You know, very, very light on policy so far. Um, it's almost shaping up to me, I think, like a one-issue election where just everything is all about, you know, COVID-19 and coronavirus and, you know, and obviously how you respond to it. Um, but, yeah, and, and it seems to be working for them, right? People trust them to do a good job. And I think that that won't last for too much longer. They are definitely um, um, putting all of their um, efforts in on, you know, putting that front and centre. It was front and centre in the Prime Minister's speech and Calvin Davis's speech at their Congress <clears throat> just a couple of weeks ago. But this is our last week of Parliament and then Parliament will rise and it'll be six weeks of straight campaign mode. If the Prime Minister and Labour uh, are going to sort of put all of their eggs into the COVID basket, I think I think voters and the media will quickly see through that and will be demanding a little bit more in terms of the policy. So hopefully they sort of, when, they, when we switch into campaign mode, they'll also switch the narrative um, um, party-wise, campaign-wise, away from the COVID stuff and trying to use that as their sort of rah-rah and, and get into some of the policy policy stuff. Yeah. Hey, big resurgence um, for the ACT Party in this poll as well. Like quite, sure. Yeah. That, that's a bloody TikTok in itself for <laughs> David Seymour. I always get drawn back to those pictures of him doing the TikTok dance, <coughs> yeah, which so, you had in your story. Yeah, so on nearly 5%, so on those numbers, he'd be bringing five mates uh, with him. Does he have five mates? A, no. <laughs> That's a low joke. A, a year ago, they were on 1%, and I think it was their highest polling in our poll in about <clears throat> 17 years. Um, and we, you know, people we spoke to last week were saying, you know, it's his, it's his work on euthanasia, it's his work around um, gun law reform. You know, he's really, you know, being brought to the attention of people. Solid performer. David Seymour, it has to be said, <clears throat> in the running to be one of the best, if not the best, um, performing MPs this term, oh, this year. This term, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been solid, right? So he and 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 I think that's now shining through in terms of all of the um, party vote support that we're seeing in our polls for him. I think people were just, you know, they appreciate that he is <clears throat> by by and large a straight shooter um, when it comes to various issues. You know, he he plays the ball and not the man, um, and so I think that that's doing well for him. And Jesus, five friends. Imagine yeah. what sort of parliament. That would look like that'd be a hugely different looking parliament. Um, lots of fun too, just the more debate, everything. I love it. Yeah. So, so great showing for act and God, salt in the wound for Winston Peters. Yeah. yeah? In, I mean, indeed, right? Wallowing so, on two percent. How yeah. much more excuses can we make for them? They are not looking good. No, they they really are going to have to sort of run a 
campaign of a lifetime to get back in. I think, and you know, the two, bad boys of Brexit time. had better, you know, make good on their on their on their reputation. That's right. And <laughs> another one of the um, supplementary questions. Each poll we get to ask a few sort of supplementary questions about uh, you know other issues that are going on. And given what we've seen recently, we asked about trust in political leaders in New Zealand. Who do we trust? And it was it was really interesting. So. Uh, 82% of Kiwis that we polled trust Jacinda Ardern and 16% um, didn't. With David Seymour, he came in second, was nearly 50% trusted, was 48% exactly trusted him, 36 didn't. And then you had Judith, James Shaw and Marama Davidson, all sort of high 40s to mid 40s um, at trust. And then Winston, he came in with 34% trust and 59% of voters we polled did not trust him um, and he was the only party leader who was not trusted by the majority of eligible voters um, and we actually dig down a little bit more into those stats and it was uh, perhaps unsurprisingly given he went with Labour but 77% of National Party supporters do not trust Winston and still 80, real dirty on that <laughs> yeah and 80, on that coalition 84% of Act supporters obviously a, a smaller number there but um, yeah yeah and those, and, and, and but those are largely also voters that um, New Zealand First will be hoping. <clears throat> man, I need some water to attract right the Nats, the Act, the sort of centre right vote is well, the New Zealand First yeah. voter base, and so to have a huge majority of them not trust Winston Peters, <clears throat> it's hugely telling. You know that mm. so, that sort of thing explains. Two percent in the polls, but um, it, it seems like every couple of weeks. So it's like another it's kind of issue that you're dealing with. It's just you know whether it's getting his mates on the flights down to Antarctica <coughs> or you know all, all the stuff going on. Like you, you have other stories break about you know people that were giving donations to this New Zealand First Foundation. You know, it, it's just non-stop. Huge numbers there for the prime minister in that trust um, uh, thing, and. Um, Interesting to see, um, you know, David Seymour, Judith Collins, James and Marama all around the same sort of trust. Um, yeah, yeah. Trust rating. Interesting stuff. Yeah, and we can dig down a little bit more into who really trusts um, Jacinda Ardern. Uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, 98% of Labour Party supporters trust her and 89% of Wellingtonians. Those who are a little bit more likely not to trust her were ACT Party supporters at 44%, NAT supporters at 36 and men aged 55 and over who 27% of those didn't trust Jacinda. Yeah. All right. Hey, but um, you took one for the team last week, Mikey, and um, went off and covered the RMA. 400 um, pages, mate. 400 pages. A 400-page document. Two days later, it was the Burnham Report. Yeah, so I have to admit, we've got, we've got a little work WhatsApp group, and it, um, we got from our political producer, we got a message in the morning, and it said, hey, guys, one of you, Benedict or Mikey, one of you needs to go to the RMA 400-page report announcement, and the other one has to go out for some <laughs> announcements with Judith Collins. I don't think I've ever applied faster. Um <laughs> to the group WhatsApp message to get out of the RMA report. So thank you, Mikey. Um, <laughs> I spent the day with Judith um, following her around. Yeah, anyway, how, how exciting was that? Hey, RMA. Who doesn't love a good RMA? Who doesn't love a good report? I certainly love a good highlight, I must admit. Um, but, yeah, look, hugest, biggest shake-up to the RMA in over 30 years and, um, and hugely crucial too when we're thinking about, you know, how New Zealand needs an overhaul when it comes to our infrastructure. We need 
um, you know, houses to go up left, right and centre quicker than you can say Bob's your uncle um, and all of that. So this is obviously a crucial part to it, not to mention the environmental side of things, which is clean up the rivers and, and all of that, um, which is all intertwined within the RMA. So look, they like get rid of it basically, is, mm. is what um, is what the review panel said. And geez, Judith Collins just loved it. She was like, I told you so, I told you so. Um, and then David Parker was, Parker was like, when we when we put that to him at the press conference, he was like, he laughed and he was like, is that is that really what they said, that, that it was their victory? Oh, God. And so yeah. that was fun. But look, um, in terms of the detail, um, lots of things um, to go there. It'll be interesting to see after the election just how much of it is implemented and how quickly they can get that done. Um, because David Parker was saying, look, we don't want to give away our position too much or sort of make promises, you know, um, ahead of the election we'll have the election and then we'll really turn our focus towards it so um, that'll be a big piece of work to um, continue on forward and to implement for whoever the next government is yeah hey. interesting on that though something funny was that um, last year when they announced the review of the RMA um, there was talk of you know the need for Māori input in the RMA system and I recall um, asking Winston Peters about that last last year and him saying look we're not we're not onto that we don't like race-based policy etc etc so I thought oh well now that the review report is out I'll go and ask him what he thinks because you know the the new the new um, piece of legislation which so they're going to get rid of the RMA and replace it with two new pieces of legislation um, and they're also going to have stronger Māori input and that includes a national Māori advisory board and seats on um, planning committees so I, so I go to the bridge and I say to Winston Peters oh you know what do you think about these recommendations last year you said you didn't want race-based policies and he was like yes that's what I've always stood for and then he looks at me and says you're Maori and I'm from a Maori background and honestly he couldn't even bring himself to really say instead of saying you're Maori I'm Maori he said you're Maori and I'm from a Maori background <laughs> I just I had to laugh at that and then he was just like you know I'm sick of um uh you know um paternalistic um uh, uh things treatment from the crown to Maori da -da 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 -da. and then he says why don't you stand up for real things like a real Maori thank you very much and then he storms <laughs> off down the bridge and I thought oh gosh those poles must be doing a real number <laughs> <laughs> honestly I had to put it down today yeah oh god hey um two a couple more interesting things that we can uh, cover off uh, you also, you've done two other interesting things, Mikey. One was, um, uh, this is two Fridays ago, you did the um, uh, Code of Conduct um, with oh. Trevor Mallard. Do you remember that? So he, Shit, lots of things happen, yeah, yeah, yeah. eh? Totally, so totally there was an interesting story, right? So basically mm. he's come out, so it was Anne Tolly, right, that did the work, uh, a, a lot of it, uh, um, and, yeah. and got buy-in. So they've had buy-in from political parties. Can you just tell us a bit about the... Of conduct. Yeah, so last year Debbie Francis did this big review into Parliament culture here after a number of harassment and bullying bullying claims, um, you know, linked to um, Jamie Lee Ross and um, you know things like you know Mika Whaiteri and her staffer and and things like that. So there was lots of questions swirling around Parliament put under the microscope about the culture here, and so 
So Debbie Francis did a review over 80 recommendations and then Anne Tolly and a group of other MPs went away and did a piece of work on a new code of conduct for Parliament and then last week on Friday Trevor Mallard published that and um, and in a week where we saw the behaviour from Andrew Falloon, um, mm. the affair from Ian Lee's Galloway, um, the behaviour the week before from Hamish Walker, um, it was a really poignant time to, to revisit um, the code of conduct here at Parliament. And Trevor Mallard gave us a really, I thought was a really fascinating interview and he, and he did a few interviews with, with media outlets, but really just let loose and was really candid about um, his experiences as the speaker. He said that one thing that really got me, he said, which isn't too surprising, but still interesting when you hear it, is that he's had to sweep a few things under the carpet where in hindsight, he's he's thought maybe that wasn't the best thing to do or he wished that he didn't have to do that. Yeah, and now he, he would like an independent commissioner right to come in to kind of police parliament yeah basically right? he's sick of having to do it but himself he, but and he doesn't he thinks, think but he doesn't think the parties will buy it right he doesn't and, think and i think that's going to be problematic because you know a lot of the national mps will sit there and say he's biased um you know whereas if you had someone independent come in you know who didn't have a you know a dog in the fight so to speak i i think it'd be more you know it would be taken more seriously you know and it wouldn't matter if it was just Trevor Mellon now or whether it was you know a future national speaker when you I think it's just hugely problematic if you've got one person tied to one of the big parties you know calling out MPs from from different teams I don't think it would be taken as seriously I think there'd be fight back yeah, well, and that's what Trevor Mallard is saying, is that yeah. he doesn't think that it should be an MP who has to essentially mm. play judge and jury when it comes to bad behaving fellow MPs. Yeah. And so he thinks that there should be an independent commissioner brought in who can investigate complaints when once they've been made. <clears throat> and the other thing he said was... Um, 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 he's had um, a couple of, you know, instances where um, there, there are repeat offenders um, here at Parliament, whether it be, he says, it, whether it be um, MPs or even senior staff members here at Parliament, um, you know, whether it's things like um, yelling at staff or, you know, even being disorganised with their own diaries and then taking it out on whoever's closest to them or, um, you know, mm. that sort of thing. So um, he's saying that if they don't agree to an independent parliamentary commissioner or someone who can come in and investigate complaints, then he's got an easy solution. He'll basically just call you out publicly if you keep... Um, uh, reoffending in terms of being a bad boss or being a bad um, fellow member of parliament or, or so on and so forth. He's going to air your dirty laundry yeah. if you do it, not clean up your act. And that's, so that'll that's going to be problematic. So that I, th I think hugely they really problematic. Need, they really do need an independent commissioner if they're going to go down that path. I think. Hey, in Operation Burnham, the end of a long, long um, process there that you covered off um, end of last week. Basically, in a nutshell, they found that the hit and run book. But had many errors, had, but had many errors, but on important aspects, was yeah, um, on the money, was on yeah. the money, and yeah. was accurate. And um, you know, co-author Nikki Haga said he felt um, vindicated. Yeah, and some by pretty the disturbing <clears throat> behaviour by the um, yeah the, were, those at the top of the defence. So um, civilian civilians injured um, in the attacks. Um, um, a number killed. of 
um, men killed, um, many of them unsure if they really were insurgents or were civilians. Yep. Um, uh, a 10-year-old girl believed to be among those killed, not the young little girl who was kind of the face of the book for quite a while, Fatima. Yep. But um, they thought it was likely that a 10-year-old girl was killed, also that um, <clears throat> a Defence Force um, soldier um, assaulted um, a prisoner um, yep. even though he was blindfolded and handcuffed and um, as over they were putting torture. him into a car handing him over um, to Afghan authorities um, who then went on to torture this man they knew it probably could have happened and then when they kind of got confirmation that yeah it was happening they did nothing about it and that um, breaks um, our um, uh, alliance or the, right? with the Geneva Convention yep. so a big big shake up there for it, the it, New Zealand Defence Force and at one point there was a defence force official getting someone else to remove. Yeah, and uh, a number of senior officers yeah, within yeah. the defence force. Details of civilian force. possible civilian casualties <laughs> from report, right? Yeah, like sort yeah. Of whitewashing them. And they had their they had their explanations or excuses, if you like, um, as to why they did the things that they did. But on a number of them, um, the investigation or the inquiry leads, um, Sir Terence Arnold and Sir Geoffrey Palmer, simply didn't accept their explanations. So yeah, there'll be, as Nikki Hager said, a lot of soul searching, I think, within the New Zealand defence force. Um, and uh, would not have come about any of it if it were not for the book. So yeah. go journalism. Yeah, indeed. Hey, my final thought for the week. Um, you know, there was a lot of uh, talk last week about whether a poll had gone, the News Hub Read Research poll had gone rogue or <coughs> stuff like that. Uh, really interesting um, article, uh, podcast called The Detail on RNZ. They had a bit of a deep dive into polling in New Zealand, how it works. Spoke to a guy I think who'd been involved in TVNZ's polling for a long time. Um, talked about how it used to be done, how it's done now. Um, really worth your while. We Chuck a link up, um, hopefully, at, into this as well that you can click on and have a listen if you want to go um, further into how polling works. Any final thoughts from you, Mikey? Oh, was that, was that your thing? Just yeah. go and check out the link. Yeah, I thought yeah. you were going to give us a summation on... Oh, there, there was a quick summation. Was it rogue or was it not or was it what? Oh, <coughs> the experts differ on that one. Oh, can't buy. Yeah. All right, check out the link. Um, and that's it from us. That's it from us. Last week of Parliament here, and then we're into campaign mode. Yeah, Six but we'll, weeks. Keep, we'll keep bringing the podcast from out on the um, campaign trail, our, our latest reckons. Should be yeah. fun. Be like jumped up on caffeine and little sleep. Yeah. Nice. Should be good. All right. This was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up, where we discuss the political stories we've been covering as we head towards the general election. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. It's available around this time each week on One News Online. And check us out on your favourite podcasting app.